the Around the NFL podcast. Hopes the forecast is rain. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I got heroes in this fake room. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. I do hope for rain. Um, Greg's been very successful with his picks, but it's going to be a lot trickier now because it is championship week. We started out with 32. Now there's four. We got two great ball games coming up on Sunday. Hopefully we get two more classics to add to the four bangers. We got divisional round weekend. Um, how you feeling, Greggy? How's the Rainmaker feeling? How you feeling as a football fan? Do you think we have more greatness in store this weekend? Mm, I do. You you hope that there's not a letdown after last week, but yeah, the it, it's early uh, in terms of forecast, but there is that nor'easter, you know, on the East Coast, and there are some Doppler reports about mm-hmm. potential rain this week. And is it an yes. El Nino? Is it an El Nino year? <laughs> I don't know. Some I precipitation know. though a, you're, it, you're predicting. It, it's a climate change year. You know, it's all coming. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, Mark, how are you, buddy? I am doing quite well. I, um, I, I have been kind of thinking about these two matchups and, you know, I've, we got a lot of chiefs in our life, but the idea that the Bengals exist this weekend is extremely new to me. And I've been a Niners guy from wire to wire, so I've got a lot um, going on in both of these games. I'm plugged in. And don't well, by wire about- to wire, you, you're leaving out the part where you took them out of your prediction for winning the Super Bowl halfway through the season. <laughs> I was leaving that out until you mentioned it. I think had you, you know, maybe if you not mentioned that, it would have skated by some of the listeners, new listeners especially, but, but the truth no, is out there. We did a great job. I was with you, Mark. Me, you, Adam Rank, I remember. We were on the vanguard of picking the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Only two uh, unlikely games to go. I think the only thing that that must be super annoying about it is that you you jump to the Cardinals. It's almost <laughs> like if you had it in reverse, it would have been glorious, but it went the other way. I, I think in general, and you know, who am I to tell the people running NFL.com what to do? But the midseason, um, the option to go in and rejigger your picks, I've fallen for it year after year. A. Pass. It lacks courage. I now am never going to do it again. I'm not changing anything. Um, and but you fall into traps, and I fell into a, a horrendous um, mark-sized, mark-shaped trap called the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> well, it all ended up where you wanted to be because you get Kyle Shanahan with a chance to go back to the Super Bowl against his old buddy McVeigh in Los Angeles, and we're going to get to that game second. Uh, before we get, and we're also going to, by the way, we're going to get some. Uh, Updates on what's going on on the personnel carousel as the coaches are starting to find new homes. Nine, you know, nine jobs, nine new coaches like that old wow. uh, hard, the hard knocks thing where you have to uh, check the box for three different things to be hard knocks eligible. There's only three teams that are hard knocks eligible now because there's just so much churn right now in our league. So we're going to get into that. Uh, We're going to get into obviously both games this weekend, but I just want to, before we get into the championship game previews, starting with the AFC, let's first formally say goodbye to one of the more important figures of the American football conference of the last 15 to 20 years. Ben Roethlisberger has retired after a long time, Uh, run with the Steelers. He almost certainly is a Hall of Fame player. He has the pelts on the wall. A great talent. And now we say goodbye. Ricky. 
Just wanted to uh, pay our respects as we say goodbye. Are you going to speak any words or it's just music? No, we're just saying goodbye. So a moment of silence to some degree, okay? It's called a solemn respect. (laughs) What if I'd like to say words, you know? I feel like we ended on a bad note with all this Big Ben talk. You know. Well, you verbally assassinated last Big well, Ben last tough. time. You, you kind of so. you kind of think about Roethlisberger first winning those Super Bowls, right? And in by the way, he was not. There's this idea that he was carried along for the first one. Yes, in the Super Bowl, but he played fantastic in the playoffs uh, before that, which I think gets forgotten. Well, that and, Super Bowl was an ult, like an right. ultra and fluke throughout the also, season. Please. And you, you think about one of the greatest throws in NFL history to San Antonio, and then you think about this end bit, which was ugly. But in between, he was weirdly underrated for for a guy who was as famous and um, talked about as anyone. I actually think like the average fan often like had him a tick lower than he actually was. Like there's been debates today. It's like who's had a better career, him or Eli Manning? It's like it's like let let's be real. Like like Tom Brady, Roethlisberger played his best football the best stretch of his career in his mid his young 30s when he wasn't winning Super Bowls I went I went back and looked at the QB index for instance from 2013 to 2018 he was ranked top five every year but one he was ranked top three like three times that that is like a level and that was like when his physicality and kind of his mind were all meshed together that I feel like people kind of sleep on like he was the man well, I don't, well hold on like how I I, I do feel like Hordes, hordes of football fans of the past, you know, 15 plus years saw Big Ben as a Hall of Famer early sure. on in his career. I mean, I just I mean that he was at, at that level. There was still this idea that he was just he kind brought of a, total terror yeah. to let my me, um, adult life as a fan. So let I me share you know. um, one more time the Simpsons corollary here that he was a very good quarterback, a Pro Bowl quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And then he started to get old and then he blew out his elbow and he came back last year and he was okay at best and sometimes bad. And then there was this year, which he was pretty consistently terrible. So he was out of the limelight as a honest to goodness, very good to great quarterback for like four years. And I think that sometimes shades memories immediately after the fact. I think when people that are old enough, you see the bigger picture. But for people that have a shorter memory or maybe are younger fans, he's not a very, uh, this guy that deserves any type of look back or retrospective on his career, but certainly he does. Right. And he, he was, to me, he was a hall of famer without winning a Super Bowl. That, I guess that's where the difference is. Like there's no comparison with him and Eli Manning. He, if you're a, if you're a top five quarterback that many times in your career, like Roethlisberger was, you're a Hall of Famer. He didn't even, he didn't even need those Super Bowls. And it is crazy to think there was this report this week about how the 49ers thought they had a deal for him. You know, he was, you know, the Rooney's tried to trade him after the sexual assault stuff, 
and they couldn't find the right deal and that the 49ers ownership wanted to do it. And supposedly Singletary thought he owed Alex Smith a chance and that he didn't want to go down that road because he had been talking about character so much. That is a crazy moment uh, in NFL history when Ben Roethlisberger was available for a trade that like just what would have changed if that had happened. I do like that, Dan, this started as a moment of silence. I um, know. I think, you know, if you're going to take... One you know, last no, time. Bye-bye. You, you know, if you're going to take Greg to a public function and it's <laughs> to pay respects to a dead character, a dead figure uh, who's gone on and, and, you know, the entire stadium is hushed and Greg is suddenly unfurling like a 25-minute diatribe on the individual that somehow d- didn't turn as negative as I thought it would here. Uh, Everything but, was you know, very on brand for the Around the NFL podcast just exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> and I hope people... Uh, Enjoyed it. All right. So, Big Ben gone. But we get to watch a lot of quarterbacks right now in their prime. And let's start with two superstars. One, a superstar who established himself almost immediately from the chance he got a starting job in Patrick Mahomes. And on the other side of the field, another guy who ascended in his second year, his first year, ruined by a knee injury halfway through. But now Joe Burrow is fully formed, playing at a elite level. And now we have the Cincinnati Bengals, the upstart Cincinnati Bengals, 12 and 7, the fourth seed in the AFC, traveling to Arrowhead to face the Chiefs, 14 and 5, the second seed. Both teams obviously coming off victories. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals defeated the top seeded Titans, 1916, on a last second Evan McPherson field goal. The Chiefs got by the Bills, 42 36, in one of the great games of all time. So let's start here, Mark. The Chiefs hosting the AFC Championship game for the fourth year in a row. That's a record. And it seems to me that all of a sudden with all of this, the ups and downs and the potholes on the road for the Chiefs this year, to me, I enter this weekend looking at the three weeks remaining to the season and say, this is the Chiefs Super Bowl to lose. Am I alone? Are you with me? How do you feel about this? Uh, I, it's, it's hard, you know, with the visual evidence that we've received over the past two weeks to feel differently than what you just said, because... What they did to Buffalo's defense, which we had spent months talking about, um, they devastated them. They, they, to me, seem like they flipped the switch. Patrick Mahomes, at this point, um, is operating in a different uh, dimension of human development. Uh, all the doubts we had about <laughs> Kansas City are gone. I mean, I guess you could look at the defense and say, yes, the defense remains an issue to some degree. But I look at this game, and I'm trying to find the advantage for Cincinnati. What's the thing you can point to and say, if, you, if, if this is not the end, this is not where the rainbow ends, because I'm struggling with this matchup for the Bengals as much as I, my heart is with them to make this a great game. Um, hmm. You could point to Week 17. Uh, you know, they, they held Patrick Mahomes to, I think, 50 yards passing in that second half. It was one of his uh, less impressive halves of the entire season. No team outside of... Uh, they, 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 they put up more yardage on Kansas City in that Week 17 win in Cincinnati than, than, than all but one other team this year. And Jamar Chase had his way. He broke the rookie single-game rookie record for receiving. So if you're the Bengals, can you recreate um, the big play magic? There was a lot of yards after the catch in that game, which is what they specialized that happened against the Tennessee last week. I, I remain concerned because my one thing is, yes, this is not Jeffrey Simmons. This is not the Titans, who was such a bad matchup protection-wise for the Bengals. Uh, but there is this like figure in the mist, Hakeem, 
Adenage, who there's the right guard who's been getting mentioned by everyone because he was flamed by Tennessee. And now you've got Chris Jones coming in. And I just wonder if you're the Bengals, you almost are going to probably have to go. If you get last week's version of the Chiefs, maybe you have no chance. But if you can coax them into mistakes, that's great too, because they did they did that with Ryan Tannehill. That's this isn't Ryan Tannehill. But secondly, they're gonna have to score drive after drive after drive. And that's not been their DNA over the last two weeks. It just hasn't been. Yeah, but this so, is an easier matchup, isn't it? Defense-wise. Defense-wise. Yeah, wise. well, that's what I mean. I sure. guess you're saying you're looking for something to believe in. How about the fact that every time the Chiefs play a good quarterback, they gave up about 30, and it comes down to the last drive. Well, I, mean, I point we, to I point In the to biggest games of the week. Though, that's what I mean. In the biggest it, games of the season, Chargers, they were very lucky to get out of that alive uh, total duel offensive fire show comes down to last possession same exact game against the Bengals uh they got some pressure uh against the Bengals but Burrow made plays against pressure and they're not nearly the pass rush that the Raiders have or the Titans have and then last week against the Bills when when this defense which was awful in the first month and month plus and pretty bad here down the stretch plays a big time quarterback they're pretty bad. I mean, they, it, they, it, it goes to my point that defense, you know, matters, but only so much. And to me, the Chiefs are a, a mediocre defense. Frank Clark hasn't made a play in two months. He's killing them. Uh, Ingram has been a godsend. And Chris Jones actually has been a little quiet for Chris Jones since that Bengals game. It's only been a, a few weeks, but he hasn't made a bunch of big plays. So if I'm Burrow, I look at this matchup and think, okay, this is a defense that might take some chances against me, might send pressure, and, and even if they don't, I like my matchups on the outside, and it's a, it's a, it's the defense that I last played my best against, and I, I think that would give him some confidence. I see all that, and it's that is the way of defenses in 2021, at least, where even if statistically you you rank pretty well when you face a big time offense, it's very easy to get lit up because some of these quarterbacks are just so good and they have weapons around them are so good. They, they're just going to eat. And that's what uh, Joe Burrow did, of course, with Jamar Chase and that amazing uh, win over the Chiefs late in the season. I do. I put something in personally because I've seen obviously and it makes sense. A lot of connecting the dots with this matchup to the last time we saw them. I just think it's different once you get to this stage of the season. It is uh, you're playing for the Super Bowl. You're playing at Arrowhead. That place is going to be going bonkers now to um, for Cincinnati. It's good that they had that Tennessee game because that crowd was loud there in Nashville as well. So it's not going to be like uh, you're not going to be able to adjust on the road against a frenzied crowd. But I still think these things matter. I think the the amount of um, repetition Kansas City has had in the spot. I, I, I believe in that. And I think that will matter. Now, the other the other way to look at that, of course, is Cincinnati now is that young upstart team that just believes and it's just building and building and building. But ultimately, this is where I have the concerns, Greg, and everyone's been pinpointing it um, for a week now. And I watched the game again this morning and I just it's hard to believe how bad the pass protection was uh, for Burrow against the Titans. Now he was sacked nine times and he had one sack that got wiped off by a delay of game and another sack uh, that got uh, wiped away. Uh, I'm trying to remember what happened. There was a, Oh, I wish I remember, but basically you could have easily gotten up to 11 sacks on him. And I just think if you're going to have to score five touchdowns to win this game, you have to be very clean and very effective up front. And the last time we saw them, they simply were not. 
It's fair, but they haven't really been any different all year. It's not like it's new players or new injuries. They gave up, I think, the most amount of sacks in the NFL in the regular season. I just thought I saw a different aggressiveness out of Cincinnati in that Chiefs game, and I don't think they needed it the last couple of weeks. I guess I'm I'm looking at this team more as a whole, and just when they have the ball, they have a big-time advantage, I think. And and I think the opposite is obviously true and maybe even more so. But if I had to choose which defense I trust like a little bit more right now, it's actually the Bengals. Now, if I choose the offense I trust more, it's absolutely the Chiefs. But I, I don't think it's some sort of crazy mismatch just because it's because it's 2022, because the Bengals have this offense and because Jamar Chase changes everything. I almost think his greatness because it, it's a little hard to figure out, like, why is he so great again? You know, like it, he, he he doesn't jump off the screen in terms of just raw speed. It's sort of like the, the subtle movements he makes, you know, kind of like an Antonio Brown almost where guys just take the wrong angle. Like in the first game, you know who he crushed a couple of times was Tyron Matthew. So even if Matthew's back in this game and we don't know if he is, he, he very well might not be because of that concussion. Like they flamed, he flamed Matthew who took terrible angles. Chase has shown he can run the entire route tree. And when you have a guy that good and he is historically good, uh, he he is right there with Randy Moss as the, as the best rookie receiver of all time. And he shows he can do everything. That's a great place to start with a mismatch. And I just feel like when they have the ball, it's a mismatch. So I, I kind of like them to put up a lot of points in this game. I'm with you that it's, I could see it being high scoring. Like I, I'm not looking at a blowout, but the Chiefs team that I saw last week has moved into a different world than the team we were dealing with for a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. they effortlessly have put up 40-plus two weeks in a row. Uh, that's the first team to do that in the A in the playoffs since the Buffalo Bills of 1990. I mean, that's, that's, there's been a lot of good teams since then. They're on fire, and I don't know if I trust this Bengals defense. Yes, they, they generated turnovers last week, and I think they confused Ryan Tannehill and played a great game and helped that gave, they gave their offense a chance. But I don't know if you stop Kansas City more than twice in this game. I just don't. With the way that they're operating right now, like how, like what? It, it to me, this Bengals defense is fine. They're a middle of the pack type squad to some degree. They had one sack and five pressures last week. And to Dan's point about the protection, when the Chiefs played the Bengals the first time, they had four sacks and twenty-two pressures. So I I, I hear that Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Um, have not been at their prime selves. But this is the kind of game where one of those guys probably will blow up and have a chance to be a total game changer. And, and they did they did get pressure on the Bengals last week. Now, right. Burrow's awesome against pressure. And I think the one thing that the Bengals have, to Dan's point, are just sort of they are daring do. They're fancy free right now. It Maybe they don't belong here, but it certainly seems like they do some weeks. And it's something about Burrow, like off, their offensive coordinator basically said, look it, if Burrow's got to get hit at this stage, Joe Burrow is fine with that. We're going to do whatever it takes. We're on the razor's edge. We're going to get out of these games. It's not going to look perfect. It's just who we are. And Burrow does seems completely unshaken. That's what I love about the most. The way he's responded to those nine sacks a week ago, other quarterbacks would have been in a completely different world. Well, now they didn't gone. I mean, they didn't. Uh break 20 points last week. So they were slowed down. Absolutely. Uh, And if the chiefs are able to do anything close, it's going to be lopsided. Now, by the way, I do think even though he got put in a blender the last time they met, I think um, Tyron Matthew is a very important part of that defense. He um, returned to practice on Thursday and you read on Wednesday spoke optimistically. So I think honey badger is going to be back. And like Mark saying, like guys like honey badger, 
guys like Chris Jones, these are guys that, you know, the big time players tend to step up when it counts most. So uh, invisible efforts from them, I would be surprised. Uh, we we should hear from the Wesling brothers, by the way, because they've been handling their lock of the week picks. And that lock of the uh, the lock belt is wide open after Mark's mm. big lock off victory in the divisional playoffs. Uh, the spoiler to this is the Wesling brothers. Let's see what they have to say about this game. Hey guys, it's Nick here. After another quality lock last week, we're down two with two to play in the competition. Hmm. It's amazing. I didn't know that. All I've heard this week is how the two best young quarterbacks in the league had to play each other in the divisional round, and it's such a shame one of them had to lose. All you media types drooling over Allen and Mahomes. Oh, we feel so blessed to be able to watch these two Hall of Famers entering their prime. Enough of it. I told all three of you before the playoffs. This was the beginning of Joe Burrow being the best quarterback in the league, and he's going to show it again this week. Brady and Rodgers on their way out, Burrow on his way up. That's why I'm going to lock it up! <laughs> Suck on that, Kansas. Oh, yeah. I'll be in L.A. next week. Hopefully we'll see you then. Oh, look at that. Get together with Nick Wessling next week. I don't know. He just told you to suck on it, so I'm not sure where your relationship. That's all right. That's moment. all in. That's in good sport. When I mm. when I assassinate him on the cornhole boards when he's out here, mm. then we'll uh, I'll settle that battle as well. I love that. I you love know, that it, pick. I love the confidence. It's yep. it's confidence. It's just like Cincinnati. It's just like the Bengals themselves at this point. It's like, hey, we're playing with house money. We're feeling good. We're feeling confident. I think his point. I see his point. Uh, that, I think Allen and Mahomes personally are at a higher plane than Burrow, but that can change as soon as Sunday. If Burrow does light up the Chiefs and take the Cincinnati team from the cellar last season and complete knee reconstruction uh, recovery in the offseason to the Super Bowl, oh yes, he has reached the upper reaches of the Superstar Club. That's fun. That said, uh, I as I hinted to Mark or told him outright, I am locking up the Chiefs. I do it with a little bit it's a little bit of trepidation because I would absolutely be down with Cincinnati uh, going to the Super Bowl. I'd love it. I'd love the the West high into it. I know Lakeisha's rooting hard for it. So um, that part of it makes it a little bittersweet for me. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to win a title. I'm trying to put that trophy right here and I'm riding my home. So I'm locking up the Chiefs and I'll put it at 38 to 28. Uh, Mm. I think that's, you know, you've gotten this far with uh, completely respectable and admirable um, play, Dan. So it's it's in your natural right to lock up the Chiefs. And, you know, there's only one thing I can do. You didn't think it was admirable uh, a few weeks ago when Greg kind of went after him a little bit. Although since then he struggled, so maybe that turned the tide, you know. Silencio. Is that how I hope I've translated that correctly? Um, I there's only one thing I can do, but you know what? I f- kind of feel wonderful about this because a we're all we've all been thinking about um, Wes in an enjoined fashion. Whenever we think about the Bengals, we think about his brothers. We we think about it all. If this is where I go down, um, I couldn't be more excited to lock up the Bengals and just test fate and tell the mm. football gods maybe for once. You do something that pleases me, I not like just that. you. Let's see what happens. You know what? This is the threshold for Joe Burrow. This is like watching the rise of Jim Kelly. This is like watching Mahomes 
Bloom, like what young Aaron Rodgers. This is the next version of that. Will it happen this weekend? We'll find out. Mm. I like it. That's going to be know, fun. The last, the last couple lock championships were, were clinched there by Patrick Mahomes. I, I believe the round before, but generally I was just riding the Chiefs throughout the last three playoffs. I remember Wes was annoyed with it initially. Um, and uh, and they, they deliver. That That's what they do. And it is crazy to to root against them, which I will be on Sunday. Because Mahomes right now is... It's like the rest of the game is in slow motion for him. He didn't have he didn't throw a pass over 20 yards last week, which is crazy for the first time in his career. It's like they did the two deep safety thing and he he solved it and he ran and he's so hard to get down. I thought that was like the kind of the sneaky key to that game was they they actually got pressure on him and he's just like he's like in the matrix or something where everything is in slow motion. It's like how do you beat that guy? Uh, and maybe you beat him with Jeremy Bates and Awuzie and Hilton. They made. Do you some think guys. other things in his life are like that? It's like he drive in slow motion. Does <laughs> right. he play like a video game? Is everything slow when he sees it that way too? I, I'm curious when people say that the these great quarterbacks, the game slows down. But you, like that is can you obviously see it for more, him almost more than any other player. It was like guys were just like flying around at his feet and he was about to do some crazy arm angle. And it was just like, he was in total control. He was, it, he got a, almost overshadowed in that game and he was perfect. Like he was, not, well, right. I would say not more than any other player, because when I think of like everything operating in slow motion around a quarterback, I think Aaron mm. Rodgers uh, at the top of the list. Yeah. Mahomes right there. And, right. Unless and, it's January. And yet, well, right. Mahomes and Rodgers is patting that ball, patting that ball. He's staring at Devontae Adams. Come on, boy. Right. Aaron Rodgers can slowly work on his mullet for the next five months. <laughs> Sam Hubbard's got to step up. Hendrickson's got to step up. They got to create some pressure. They're on the field every down. J- Bates has been great. He's got to step up. And Joe Burrow has just got to make us. They just got to make like one or two steps. And Joe Burrow's got to do something. That, that Nick spoke to it, where when everyone's talking about the others, it's like even coming into this game, no one really believes in Joe Burrow at this level. No, uh, that's not true. That's not I true. just mean to to like win this game, to cover, to be at Mahomes' level, to outduel Mahomes, even though he just did it three weeks ago well, in piece, one of because Mahomes' Because we're always in a race to crown season. people, Greg, and it's right. like you kind of got to see it. So it's like you right. could say, oh, he's already as good as Mahomes and Josh no. Allen. Well, why don't we wait until Sunday? And if he is, then he is. I, I'm not there yet, but I'm there that he can do it for one week. And uh, I'm there that this Chiefs defense is going to be disappointing again. And I'm there that we're going to get another classic game coming down to the wire. And that's why it's going to be raining in on Sunday in Cincinnati. Seven points is a slap in the face to the Wesleyans. It's a slap in the face to Joe Burrow. He's covering that spread. They're going to win this game, too. But they'll definitely cover seven. Wow. I love it. Um, Hey, Ricky. Jump in a second. Do you watch um, Euphoria on HBO? I don't actually. I what? do. I, I quite love I that don't. show. It's oh, too I, upsetting. Oh, for I me. know you watch it, Mark. Oh, it's upsetting. 
I like don't want to believe that high school could be like that nowadays. Hey, okay. Well then, Ricky, well, you're um, out of I, the woods. Why I'm, I'm done with you then. I, I'm surprised and a little disappointed that I can't speak yeah. on this. Are you caught up, Mark, on Euphoria? I have I have only missed the most recent episode, uh, which I All plan right, so to I'm watch maybe even this afternoon. Episode three, season two is the best of the series so far. And at one point, one of the high school girls is laying by the pool wearing like these pink designer sunglasses. And they're the exact designer sunglasses that Joe Burrow wore during his post-game press conference yes. on Sunday. I love that. That is I unbelievable. Mean, that's <laughs> a symbol of something. I, I want to read a quote just quickly from, from Burrow this week. Sure. I'm, tired, I'm tired of the underdog narrative. We're here to make noise. Teams are going to have to pay attention to him. So, like I said, we're a really good team with really good players. We're coming for it all. I like that he, he throws that underdog stuff Away, he can do this. He can all do right. this. Let's go. Did you it. lock up the Bengals? Sorry, I know the rainmaker. No, I just went rainmaker. Oh, okay. I did pick them um, on uh, my game picks on uh, on the website. Got but uh, let's be real; it's partly just because I want to be rooting for uh, I do, Lakeisha and Linkside. Why I not? And I do believe that they'll cover. So if you're gonna if you're gonna believe in that, then why not just go? All I do. B- I you, do Greg. feel like uh, the Mussolini of this podcast now. Uh, the Three idea of locking up the Chiefs. The, the Bengals, I believe. <laughs> Have I? Stuff. Well, no, the Raiders, no, no. the Raiders, you were hot you did, on the Raiders. Yeah. I wasn't really hot on the Raiders. I was trying to, I was trying to search for an upset in that week one, the wild card round, and it just never uh, really sure. appeared. Well, I'm but, not saying uh, you're coming from like a sinister angle yeah. against our feel good mission on any level, but I, um, you'll be proud of me this time around on multiple platforms. I'm keeping the same pick across the board. I'm not doing the old, nice. you know, whatever it's, I have, and I'm, I'm very much like Greg, maybe wish casting. I have 35, 32, Cincinnati, align with my lock in overtime. Yes. Check you later. Smell you later, Casey. I love the over here, too. I love the over even even more. So you than... got 30. You have 35. What was it? 35-32 in OT. So Ooh. the Chiefs get the ball, kick a field goal, and then the Bengals well, take over? They, get, and they got a field goal and a stop. The Bengals would get, yeah, the Bengals would win with one field goal in overtime, unless they change the rules between now and oh, 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 yeah, kickoff. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I had 33-31, I believe, on on the old uh, website. Oh, really, yeah. That really could be do overtime, like overtime with a really safety. Do like that would be plus seven. I think they're going to go one last thing. I think they're going to go for four. Remember how that game ended in week 17? How they didn't let Mahomes. If, if nothing else, I kind of think they're going to lose big or win because I think they're going to go for fourth downs. They're going to try. They're going to have all the daring do, as Mark would say. Andy Reid's been punting a little bit on these fourth downs in opponent territory. I think Cincinnati knows they're going to give up 30 and they're going to play like it on offense. And whether that works or I not, I think we'll you're see. right. Because if I have 38 30, to Marcus 35 32 you have 33 31 my last thing was going to be this could be 42 to 21 too it could <laughs> it absolutely could the way the Chiefs play they can run teams out of a building in the playoffs we'll see if it happens again all right that's the AFC before we get to the NFC title game uh, we're going to do some news uh, personal carousel but before that let's take a break All right, we are back, and it is time, gentlemen, to hop aboard the NFL personnel carousel. Nine vacancies entering business hours, traditional banking hours on Wednesday, but now they're starting to fill. The first one's a biggie, the Denver Broncos. They hire... 
Nathaniel Hackett is head coach. How about that? Hackett, who just a couple weeks ago couldn't even get a headshot on NFL.com, leading to a lot of internal consternation for one particular on-camera reporter. Uh, uh, three emails, uh, you know, and around the NFL podcast speculation and conversation with David Ely at the news desk that got taken care of. And now Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator previously is the head coach. Uh, Hackett has worked with the quarterbacks at all phases on the development cu- curve in his career. Uh, he was scheduled to interview with the Jags on Thursday, but the Broncos step in Wednesday night, get that deal done. And this is uh, Greg Hackett's first stint as a head coach replaces Vic Fangio do you buy into any of the hype here that the Green Bay quarterback coach might be able to lead, lure the Green Bay quarterback? Yeah, I do. I I do think that has to be the extra, you know, drizzle of syrup on top of this Sunday. You know, like they, they know that might not be the difference or not, but absolutely they they want to go after Aaron Rodgers, and this is a huge plus. And they were deciding apparently between Hackett. And Dan Quinn, Kevin O'Connell from the Rams was also another finalist, but it seemed like it was Hackett or Quinn. And choosing the offensive guy just makes more sense. And, oh, because you're going to need a quarterback anyways this offseason. If you don't get Rodgers, you need someone that can develop uh, a quarterback. And Hackett's, you know, done it with Blake Bortles. You know, they, they had a pretty good offense at some points, and, and Rodgers loves them. So I just... How could it not be a factor? I, right? I don't know. How could that I, not be I, a I factor? I just hope, did Denver make this higher, like, right. banking on the chance that this happens? Because that would seem maybe He was a finalist in out. Jacksonville, too. The, yeah. the reason they hired him today was Jacksonville was bringing him back for a second interview, and Ian reported at that point Denver was like, we got to we gotta make our decision now, and they they wanted to get it done. You know, he he actually, I know it's, it, it, you know, Blake Bortles and the Jaguars is just a, a constantly, you know, point and laugh scenario, but um, he did a really nice job the year they went to that AFC title game. Nathaniel Hackett showed creativity. Um, he's really, the one thing you hear over and over, he is incredibly smart, organized, and I thought if you even go back to his earlier days with the Buffalo Bills, he kind of helped create Tyrod Taylor into something as well. I mean, mm. he's shown, I know, I know, <laughs> I know I'm just saying that whoever he's had to work with, he's done a nice job maximizing them, but I do, I'm so with Greg, and, and I assume you as well, Dan, like how do you take this job if you're Nathaniel Hackett? I'd love to know what he knows about oh, Aaron Rodgers. What do you well, mean? That, well, that, I, well, I take the job. Great think, players. There's a lot of great players No, 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 there. no, 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 no. But, but Greg, but Greg, Greg, you all last season were all about the Broncos with a, what, what, what I saw as a ceiling zero scenario at quarterback. You lose jobs if you don't get that quarterback. You Can, lose them in two or three years. To what you're saying, Mark, like when I talked about on Tuesday's show, the Dan Quinn scenario, who, by the way, looks like Dan Quinn now is going to stay in Dallas. I, I more meant if you are like you've already been fired once, you usually don't get more than uh, two chances at it. Choose very carefully. Right. Nathaniel Hackett to me is maybe a little bit of a different category where you don't know how many chances you are going to get, how many bites you get at the apple. Now you could say maybe he should have given more thought or taken that extra interview with Jacksonville where you have a young, potentially dynamic quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but perhaps w- there's more to this story than we right. know. I guess on the surface, it doesn't really move the needle to me as a hire. If, if you're, we're throwing out names like developing of Blake Bortles and Tyrod Taylor, unless the Broncos and Hackett 
have a more grand plan that involves a certain mm. number 12. Otherwise, I'm like, I guess, good hire. Well, well Andy comes from the, the coaching tree that's kind of dominating right now in the NFL. I mean, now he's part, he, not only was his dad, you know, Bill Walsh's right-hand man, but he's now coming from the LaFleur, Shannon, you know, he's had a mix of different influences and he's coming from that LaFleur experience, which, which is a plus. Connor Orr wrote a great article about him. Uh, he seem he seems to be well liked by the media, which always makes me a little uh, a little skeptical. You can tell you can tell he does some work with the you know press in the flesh media wise behind the scenes. But you know, I, I do think it matters that. that they brought in the Packers quarterback coach for a head coach interview as well. I just think that there's something else happening here, and that Nathaniel Hackett. Now I'm not saying inside information, but you don't take this. Because Vic Fangio just got fired for the no quarterback problem. Sorry, he did. He wasn't because of his defense. And if you're Nathaniel Hackett, who is a lower level hire, he's been in the league for just doing other stuff forever, you've got to know that there's a possibility that you're bringing the best quarterback in football to your team. I get, yeah, my, my feeling on this is if that's, if that's just you made this hire because it gives you the possibility of getting Rodgers... Be careful there. But it's not like it's uh, he's done enough and he has enough of a resume where you're not like shipwrecked if you don't get Rodgers. But at the same time, I wonder how much this really uh, led to him getting this chair in Denver and how desperate the Broncos are to finally solve their quarterback problem. Even if that means going all out for a guy that's turning 39 or however Rodgers is at this point. It's a weird point. situation because there, there should be new ownership this year. Which is just so add that layer it, it's to a it. little I think difficult it's a, it's a for everyone, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, the Chicago Bears also have found their man. It is Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator. Eberflus is 51 years old. He was also in the running for the Jaguars head coaching vacancy. He joins new manager Ryan Poles in taking over a Bears team that went 6-11 and last year under Matt Nagy. Chicago team that is dreadfully boring that's missed the playoffs nine of the past 11 years uh, but does have Justin Fields there so when we talk about this again all right you have a dynamic young quarterback very raw but a lot of potential so Eberflus gets to come in and maybe keep that defense where it is or take it up a notch Um, he could use some more uh, players on that side of the ball too but you also have this young quarterback so this this is a Greg to me a better job opening than Denver on some level, but also there's a lot of dysfunction in Chicago and it's been that way for a while. So buyer beware here as well. Yeah. One question that they're not going to answer is how much influence did Ryan Poles, the GM have in this hire? They were already, they already interviewed finalists before they had a GM. We've talked a lot about, I think the way to do it is have your coach and GM aligned in the same hiring cycle. But I also think that the GM should be, you know, part of the head coaching hire and you just don't know if how much influence polls had. Cause for instance, he he's had experience with other people that interviewed for that job. We don't know if ownership was making the decision. I, I think that's a safe assumption or if it was his polls and he was helping to pick the tiebreaker. The most important part of any head coaching job, I think is something that's impossible for us to evaluate before they're hired or even after, frankly, it's like, how do you lead a team? How do you organize? How do you plan? How do you hire? Ibraflus's scheme in Indianapolis didn't blow you away. I mean, they were aggressive and had forced a lot of turnovers, but they weren't a great defense. They were fine. 
You know what I mean? So it doesn't get you too excited, but people seem to love Matt Eberflus. He was maybe going to, you know, he was a finalist in Jacksonville too. People around the league love this dude. So maybe he's great at all that stuff or, and they, and they see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. It's not like we understand the Eberflus scheme is something that's <laughs> taking revolution, you know, over the league. But I, I think the thing is, I mean, A, it's very bears like to replace Matt and Ryan with another Matt and Ryan. It's it's a very um, on-brand thing bread. for the Bears yeah. in general. Wait, so, some Bears fan was anticipating this moment. Did you see that tweet? We got it right before we started, I believe. Uh, no. he, he was very he was very upset. I can't wait to hear the hard-hitting, in-depth analysis of this Bears pick. His name is Matt. I don't like it. Durr. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean I, I First of all, it might be a good No, hire, I like but... the analysis. I don't like this guy. I, I I would say this like you, you <laughs> yeah. I, the only thing about hiring a defensive coach in in 2022, um, I mean it's worked for the it's worked for the Bills and they found the right OC to groom Josh Allen. So it's like the whole point here was we finally have a quarterback. Who are you going to marry with Justin Fields for the next five seven years in theory? And it's it, Matt Eberflus is not the first person I would have picked for that journey. So it's really important what they do. And it's to, to your point, Greg, like. These guys, they, they have to, in these interviews, explain, here's who I can hire as, as my staff. You don't find out after you hire. So they must be impressed, although I don't know who they is because Bears Upper Management seems totally lost in the forest to me. But there must be some answers to what the plan is for Justin Fields. Ian reports is- that um, the Eagles passing game coordinator, Kevin Patullo, is uh, okay. The I mean, they there. ran the ball more than any team in the league and were lost as a passing team. But we'll, uh, yeah, I good have a nice is the favorite. We'll see. We don't know this. if that he'll get hired. I know who they could hire get Ben McAdoo to lead your offense. <laughs> well, he was hired from the trade forum. From the he's a rock star. It really is funny to think of that Jay Glazer report that oh, right. that they need to hire a rock star coordinator. <laughs> also, Eberflus <laughs> or did, um, was close with. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Eberflus. Uh, there is there is some weird rumors about who he might hire. Okay, well, uh, stick Hold a pin in that mark, and we'll... <laughs> no, Jason Garrett. That's what was on my mind. That he was. That oh, there take some, out the axe again. Give me a give me a lick. He, like, give me a tasty he, lick, Ricky. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Garrett. I, I, there's people concerned that he'd do that. I'd please let's put it that don't. way. Please. Um, and since we've mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars twice now, and both these um, head coach coaching carousel personnel carousel scenarios, where are they at? You know, they hired, they fired Urban Meyer, like what feels like about three years ago. Longtime Cardinals beat man, Mike Jarecki reports that the Cardinals executive, Adrian Wilson, will become the next general manager of the team. And that's important because reports have it that Byron Lefwich was all set to become the head coach of the Jaguars. The Jags wanted him, but he said, I want to be the coach of the Jaguars, but I won't do it if Trent Balky's the GM, uh, which obviously was quite a wrench for uh, Shad Khan in Jacksonville, who for some reason remained committed to Balky for the time being. So let's see how this all shakes out. I just thought we could wait and talk about this when it becomes a final uh, next week, but it seems like something that could be imminent. And it all is connected. So, Greg, where do you, uh, where yeah, do you take out all this? There's been some premature reporting, and and I and I would put the Jarecki report 
in that. It might prove to be correct, but at least our network, other networks are saying that's not finalized in terms of Wilson. But yeah, it's fascinating. Like what everyone said that Valky was a a wrench here in uh, what the Jaguars are trying to do has proven true. Supposedly multiple coaches turned down the interview at all. And uh, I appreciate Leftwich kind of standing up for what he believes in and doesn't want to get caught in a bad situation. Balky's been a little bit of a coach killer and uh, he worked with Adrian Wilson, who was a badass player <laughs> with the Cardinals and now is apparently a badass GM. That would be a very likable combo. And supposedly they're interviewing Vic Fangio to maybe be the defensive coordinator. Give me Leftwich, Adrian Wilson, two guys I enjoyed watching play. You know, now we're old enough. Like that was while we were actually working in this in this business. And Fangio, and I'll be a Jaguars fan. Hey, I like listen, that trio. Greg, do likeability it. doesn't put uh, Lombardi trophies in the lobby. You know I, mean, I mean, but it's what else do I know about this thing? You know, Leftwich <laughs> could do it. Why not? He, if, he I seems mean, great. I didn't know you felt so ton. strongly about uh, Adrian Wilson, but that's good I, to know He that. really. I covered that. I was the the NBC like guy covering the Cardinals that week. And so I sort of fell gotcha. in love with that team and he was the captain of that team and the, and the leader. Gotcha. And Leftwich, who doesn't like Byron Leftwich? Come on. And Vic Fangio. You get Leftwich on offense, Fangio. Wait, why do I have to good. love Byron Leftwich? I don't. Oh, he was a likable player. He was uh, a fun player. He was it. a likable guy. He's He was a likable One of the more enjoyable Jaguars uh, yeah. eras, you know. <laughs> Tremendous good personality. Guy. He's funny. You know, he just Gregarious as hell. Remember when they carried him down the field at Marshall? That was funny. Unbelievable. On a bum leg, he was a warrior on that Marshall team, the thundering herd. All right, I'm just being a d- Um All right, that's what's going on in the news. Let's now move on to the AFC Championship game, unless anybody else had any other nug from around the league. Well, we've actually got a uh, developing situation ah. here. Ricky, hit it. I'm Tom Brawhall. There's been a surprise press conference call. Uh-oh. Where? For Dan Hansis. Oh, no. Dan Hansis is closing in on the Locks championship. And uh, he's just going to take some questions from the crowd. Wow, what's going on here? Um, Dan, you've, uh, you had a five-game or a three-game lead with five to play. At that point, it looked like it was all but your trophy to win. It. The, the lead's down <laughs> to one two weeks to go. Um, what is your confidence level after giving up this big of a lead? Little Rams-like. Yeah, it is little Rams like uh, Greg, uh, but also, see, I'm like one of those guys that I know the name names of the media guys, and that makes me more likable, and it actually gives me a little bit of gravitas. Uh, yeah, Greg, I understand that, and um, but you have to remember the Rams won that ball game, and nobody remembers uh, the collapse anymore because here they are playing for the right to go to the mm. Super Bowl. So while things have gotten more interesting, I certainly feel confident. Uh, Who's that? Erica. Hey, Dan, I just want to, uh, great season, by the way. It's been really a joy to watch you, you play. Um, however, I do kind of want to dig in a little bit. Do you have any remorse looking back on some of your picks where maybe the mainstream media was sort of saying that you, you walked a fine line of, you know, let's say earnest look in the mirror picks do you have any comment on that tough one hey uh erica uh, that's a fair question uh you know i play by the rules and uh, the rules of the lock challenge is keep it under seven points 
but most importantly, pick the team you feel most confident about. And whatever that uh, fell under those two categories, that's typically uh, where I went. And that's why I have a winning percentage north of 700. So uh, I have no regrets. I feel like I played the game the right way and hopefully things go my way. I'm just going to uh, do my best. Thanks. Anything else? Um, uh, Dan, Greg, and the other guy, the other guy. All right, so I think that sets up my question well. Do you think that, you know, as a essentially PR-focused um, host of the show, that the contest essentially never had any chance to go to anyone but you because we would have cooked up various other scenarios had I gotten in <laughs> a, a tie situation. I sense a lot of overconfidence. I do think there have been some weeks where mm. your picks have been, had I made the pick that you picked, uh, would there have been maybe, hey, Mark, where is your mirror? But when Dan picks it, the mirror is put <laughs> into the closet and we are going about this. I just do things to win. I just am a results oriented individual. I don't even know what the question is. Answer all though. Answer those charges, I, please. Thanks for the question, Mark. Again, I, I play by the rules of the game. I make sure it's within the spread. I pick the team that I feel good about. And I understand um, your journey in this competition maybe is the one that people get behind. Um, it's more up and down. There's certainly more peaks and valleys. I'm just does trying that, to grind out. Does that out. bother you that I'm sort of the, what, you know, the people's, they're backing this sort of mission they see, this, this, um, this joy for sport uh, as I pick these games week after week? Thanks so much for the question, Mark. Uh, well, you're not, no, you it doesn't you know. bother me because I think you're a great competitor and I consider you a friend. And I just, I think if people see that you're, um, someone that's fun to track in this way, I, that mm. makes me happy because I think that you deserve that and I want people to be on that right path. Anyway, I'm just going to do what I do. I'm just going to do my best one game Last at question. a time. Last question. Yes. One more. I got time for Dan's got time for one more. Uh, All right, Dan. Greg. Um, you know, you've probably been the longest, uh, biggest proponent of the locks competition through the years. Yeah, the um, according to Lock It Up, ATN Lockups on Twitter, um, you've actually never won the trophy by yourself. You've only shared it with others. Uh, only only uh, Greg, two-time defending champion, by the way, uh, and Mark have, has won it by themselves. Uh, do you need this trophy to fill a, a hole in, in your resume and in your heart? Thanks for the question, Greg. I, You know, I have two titles and they're both ties and nobody likes a tie. Uh, you know, when Steve McNair and Peyton Manning shared MVP, let's be honest, that was a disgrace. Neither won it. I, I would say incinerate the award. Uh, so, yeah, it does. There is a, uh, a hole in my resume. And uh, that's why, in fact, I'm just going to clear it right now. I'm going to move. <laughs> I'm moving, making some space on the shelf behind me because wow. I think I need that. I think I, I and I think I know that's not maybe the, some, the, the answer that I should give. Uh, but if I don't have mm. it, uh, if I don't have that trophy, I don't think I'm full and complete as a man. So I'm just going to stakes are high stakes one are game high at a time. Sunday. One game at a time. We want our athletes to be honest. And so I think, you you know, athlete or, or front office type figure, whatever it is you are, uh, we appreciate the, the frank um, responses to these questions. You are a great competitor. Greg, thanks. Uh, Greg and Mark, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, I hope to see you down the road. Thanks, everybody. All right. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right. It's time to get to it. Man, that press conference, that one caught me by surprise a little bit. Not there. too often you're actually on the podium for a surprise press conference. Right. That was, uh, I think it was necessary. And, you know, it's, it is a process and the, I got behind the Packers and I felt really good about it, but uh, I got double crossed by Aaron Rodgers, but who hasn't? Ask his family. 
And literally everyone else close in his life. Oh. Sorry, Greg. No, I mean that you you finally made this him. This is now the breakout group, you know, where at the you do a podium thing, and it's like uh, the PR guys like, all right, just the beat guys, just the beat guys with Dan, yeah. and it's in the little the little <laughs> circle with the beat guys, and and I'm giving you a little bit more. I and now I I'm sharing that. that Aaron Rodgers profoundly f***ed me, and I'm not going to ever forget it. That's where he the did. real fodder comes from. These six yards away from the podium. He, he did it. Uh, Mr. Drayton. Was it more, I forget his first name. The special teams coordinator of the Packers also <laughs> didn't help you out very much. He certainly did Slayton? not. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Mr. All right, Drayton. let's get to it. The NFC championship game. Oh, boy. You know, I think it's, uh, well, it looks like Mark, Greg is going to lock up one of these teams, but Greg obviously has uh, been playing out the string for roughly three months. So <laughs> yes. this is a game that's very tough to feel strongly about one way or the other here, Greg, because the Rams on the surface here, we got Rams 49ers, of course, and the Rams on the surface feel like the better roster. They have the quarterback that's playing at a higher level. They're well coached. They're at home. And yet it's hard to look the other way for uncertain things. It's hard to look at the last six meetings between these teams, how it turned out. It's hard to look the other way on week 18, what happened in that game. It's hard to look the other way on what happened at SoFi Stadium in week 18 when the Niners filled that building up. Uh, all these things put together makes you think that San Francisco has it. And yet the desert has the Rams as a favorite right now. Yeah, and they they – Became a slightly bigger favorite during the week. It went from three to three and a half, which indicates the public's actually been, or, or, or the sharps, as they would say, are betting the Rams. Who knows? I can understand it, though, because despite the matchup going the opposite way, one's got an injured quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's thrown uh, two touchdowns and six interceptions in the last four weeks. That's his aggregate totals, and it gets even worse if you you know, include some of the turnover-worthy plays, including many in Green Bay last week. And then, more importantly, Stafford is on a heater. And I think that Week 18 game, after looking at it again this week, he played great against the 49ers. He was the reason they made it to overtime. And I know he threw two interceptions in that game, but he also made five or six throws against pressure, a couple of them to Cooper Cup on third downs that not many quarterbacks can make. And so I, I think he comes into this game feeling very confident. And I like the way that Sean McVay early in that game and early against the Buccaneers, against a good run defense. And that's what the 49ers have, just like the Bucks, went very pass heavy. I think Stafford's had a nice balance of knowing when to be aggressive and when to be patient. It just comes down to protecting him. I think the game comes down to the Rams offensive line. That's been the the difference in this matchup over the last three years. It was definitely the difference in week 18. His offensive line got worked. They got pushed around in the running game and they got too much pressure on Stafford who had to make plays despite all that pressure. If the Rams offensive line plays well, they win. I think it's as simple as that. If they don't and they keep losing this matchup, then I, I think it comes down to the end and it's a great game. I, I'm with you because, you know, the, the Niners, who are not a big blitzing team, lead the all postseason teams in pressure rate. Uh, they've had 10-plus QB pressures in seven straight games, including the playoffs, 10 sacks in the postseason. They have been wrecking quarterbacks. They have been causing chaos. And yet the Rams in reverse, Aaron Donald 
has not really shown up this season against the Niners. It's been his two of his four worst PFF grades. Two have come against San Francisco. Mm. We know outside of the 17 nothing start that the Rams had in that last game that they've been essentially dominated by the full team of the Niners. And it's it, it feels a bit like we say this about San Francisco week after week, but it does come down to, I think, which quarterback in this game makes the more killer mistakes. Stafford has two picks in each game against the Niners. One was that terrible pick six. But, but Garoppolo has been, they've been winning despite him. And I mean, I kind of love the Niners for that because... It would be a reason to like eject or seat any other team out of the playoffs entirely. I mean, he's going to throw two or three passes a game that utterly assassinate you, and you've got to get past it. <laughs> but they have shown total ability to get past it. I mean, they should not have won that game last week, but it was a total team effort, special teams, the whole thing. And I do feel with the Rams team a little bit that that last game, they got up 17 to nothing. And you had, what, Sean McVay running down the sidelines to congratulate Stafford in the end zone. It was like this huge emotional release. Then they blew the lead. And you go back last week, they looked like they had done the same thing to the Bucks, and they blew the lead. So I just don't know psychologically in a stadium where they're saying right now certain ticket vendors that they project a 65% Niners crowd, and you've got Sean McVay at the podium begging Rams fans not to sell the ticket. I don't love the juju around that. Um, I do think this is a case where one team has got into the head of the other team, but maybe the Rams, who have been so special in certain ways in this postseason, are past all that. None of that matters if they can take care of business mm. here, but I don't like the fact that they built that lead in a perfect first I, half and then fell apart last time I they don't, played them. I'm, I'm on the side of, I think the Niners are in their heads. I think yes. that, I think that you could look at the end of that game against the Bucks and say, wow, that's amazing what Stafford and Cup were able to do there and steal that game after almost giving it away. And that's true. And you have to give a lot of credit. And maybe Sean McVay learns from how that game played out when he got super conservative, just trying to run the clock out. Um, and he probably would have. He probably would have been fine if if not for the cup fumble and the second fumble by Akers. But <laughs> that's not how things work. That's sports. And it's just like... I just think no matter what happens early in this game, the Rams know and the Niners know that this game, even if the Rams go ahead, that the Niners are going to keep coming. And it all all comes down to because I think Garoppolo was bad last week in Green Bay. And there are reasons for that beyond just that he's not that great. Maybe the weather, Green Bay's defense. They had two field goal drives on offense and they were bailed out essentially by a special teams miracle in the fourth quarter. Can Garoppolo make enough plays and get it to his playmakers? We're saying it every week. And we saw last week, even when he didn't, they still won. But I think the difference here is, is that I don't think the Rams are going to gag the way the Packers did last week. So I think this is a game that they're going to have to score points. Do they score points, Greg? Do you think they could score the 20, let's say 24 to 31 points necessary (laughs) to win this game? I I had him on 24. I have the under. I like the under in this game. I like both defenses to make this a little more of a defensive game because I think both pass rushers should win. I mean, the Rams front is just as good as the 49ers right now. Von Miller's playing incredible. And 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 we've talked about the rest of the group. Obviously, Shanahan does a good job going again away from their strengths. Ramsey, he kind of avoids Ramsey. Ramsey did not have a good week 18 game, particularly against 
um, San Francisco. And yet, I think their pass rush is going to be great. Jimmy G has to get rid of the ball so quickly. It comes down to tackling for the 49ers, like when you play the 49ers. And that's something I'll be curious to see because Weddle came in and played 60 snaps last week. He's too good now to take off the field. It's crazy. And that other dude, Nick Scott's like making plays all over the field in both these games. Their safeties, even though they lost their starters during that comeback, by the way, that was a pretty big factor. They lost their two starting safeties during that comeback. And now they're they're all set up. They have Taylor Rapp back for this game. Can you tackle? Uh, I think this Rams defense is really good. And that that's why, like, you know, when I, I look at the matchup, it's like two, you have two great defenses. You definitely don't have two great offenses. You have a great head coach in Shanahan. You have some great offensive players. And you have Shanahan, I think, maybe has shown he's a little better at adjusting and managing the game than McVay. I mean, 49ers would not be in this game if McVay you know, didn't turtle up and run the ball three straight times at the end of the week 18 matchup or didn't let the clock run out. I don't know if you guys remember, and this is a total tangent, but remember I got on him a little bit for not taking a timeout to try to score at the end of last week's game. Rewatching the game, I noticed they were at the 34-yard line with about 18 seconds left. So now after seeing Mahomes do it, like no coach should be allowed to do that ever again because we've seen what you can do with 13 seconds. The Rams were like 10 yards ahead of that with more time and, and he didn't do it. I think, I, I hope he's learned from that and will be a little more aggressive in, in terms of his game planning. Do you worry about Matthew Stafford, his butt getting a little tight if they're in a tight place here? Because I mean, Look at, like, he's been awesome. He's been absolutely magnificent, and he's looked like a Super Bowl quarterback, and Cooper Cup has been fairly unstoppable. And, I mean, he's he had 118-plus yards in both matchups against the Niners, so I think that their stars can be their stars. And that's sort of been the journey of the Rams right now, that the Von Miller, OBJ, all this stuff's working out really well for them. Um, but I'm also looking at a Rams run defense that's been really good, except when they play the Niners. I mean, the Niners yeah. ran all over him the last time. And it's kind of, it's, it, to me, it, where you get into the head of another team, it's embarrassing when the Niners tell you and tell everyone on national television in that first matchup, we want to run the ball 40 times. And like, if you know someone's going to do that, you can adjust and stop it. They couldn't. They couldn't do anything. And then you had Debo Samuel catching those crossers where Jimmy G, you know, he makes his mistakes, but he did pretty well in that game. And it's just like, if you get that version of Jimmy G, who has more turnover-worthy throws than anyone in the league other than Mike Glennon percentage-wise this year. I mean, that is, it is unremarkable that they're here <laughs> with Jimmy G in general, except that every game he also makes three or four great throws along with the mistakes. And if you can I think just... it's been a lesser version, though, don't you think? Like, Absolutely. He's been no, better, it, he's been better in San Francisco in previous years than this year. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, the weather, the weather might have been a little bit of a factor in Green Bay, but I don't know. I mean, like both quarterbacks didn't look good in that one, but Jimmy G is a liability that they've found a way to win around. I think it's a fascinating team because of that. Week 18. I put more into this week 18 um, for this game than I do for the week 17 or wherever it was at the Cincinnati, Kansas City game. I don't know why. I just do. It was a playoff um, game for the 49ers, and it, it felt like one for the Rams. You're trying yeah, to win maybe the division that's why. And, get the two well, and it's a yeah. continuation of the Niners. And it's in the same stadium, and it's going to be the same dynamic with the crowd and everything. But I, I look at that game. Garoppolo did average 10 yards per attempt in that game. He led them on that lightning quick drive to tie the game at 24, send it into overtime. Um, and then I look at some of the 
big players from that game. I'm going to highlight a couple here. So Debo Samuel, what else needs to be said about him? But he was unbelievable in that game. He had four catches for 95 yards, eight carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. And he threw one pass for a touchdown for 24 yards. That's that's him. That's peak Debo. And I expect to see something potentially similar to that on the other side of the ball. And it will be interesting because now it's this huge moment uh, in the season and in the career of this player. I want to see which Odell shows up here. Mm-hmm. I think Beckham is a fascinating guy um, to track in this game because he absolutely, as much love as he's getting right now, the last couple of weeks is, oh, he's back. He's been revitalized. He's blah, blah, blah. And, and he has had moments. He cratered in week 18 against San Francisco. He killed them, including basically uh, torpedoing the final drive when they were trying to uh uh, tie the game in overtime, which Odell shows up. Does he have a big impact? Because if he doesn't, I could see the Rams being in a little bit of trouble. That game was 27-24. I think this game is going to be right around there. I'll even match it 27-24. Same team wins. San Francisco finds a way. Ooh. Dan, I got to tell you, um, and this this was a pick I filed earlier for an online thing. I have the exact same score with the Niners winning 27-24. We're locked in. We're in sync. I don't Completely, like just like me and your wife have the exact same birth date, right down to the year. Right. I mean, that's where the you know. Speaking the, of your wife, Simone, the cohesion uh, only starts with that factoid. The wait, lovely wait, Simone your is a big Niners fan. How she? Yes, feeling? she is. Well, I think she's been like you know, football has not been the number one thing um, all season, but it has been the last couple of weekends, and I got to give mm. her a lot of credit because um, I'll be in here, you know, doing work when we're home and stuff. I can hear her like screaming down the hallway um, on a slight tape delay compared to what we watch um, with anything that happens with them. So she's very enthusiastic. <laughs> Do you have any? Did you like after the game last week? Did you grab her and embrace and you pulled back and looked deep in her eyes and said, these crazy Niners, they did it. They really did it. That was the exact transcript. And that's, that's how I said it. And that um, that's how I delivered it. <laughs> I, I'm i torn because this Niners team is badass. <laughs> like we kind of talk about it, but you <laughs> You know how every defensive coordinator starts every like opening press conference saying like we're going to be fast, we're going to be physical, we're going to be aggressive. It's like that team they're talking about is this is the 49ers. Like they are just a group of badasses and it's both it's both sides of the ball. It's offense and defense. Like I just you just love the way they built their team. But I'm with you on OBJ. I think that's the mismatch here. Deep down the field, some of these throws against these 49ers cornerbacks, I think OBJ can make a difference. And I think Trent Williams not being 100%. He hasn't been able to practice this week. He's probably going to play. Yoch. But you're you know maybe not 100% going against Von Miller. And then on the other side, you got Tom Compton going, going up against the rest of the Rams. I, I just trust this Rams defense to really hold down a pretty mediocre uh, 49ers offense on balance and that's why I'm going to lock up the Rams 24 to 20 hey listen if this all plays out the way we see it we're going to get some good ass football this weekend a little GAF <laughs> it's going to be two blowouts <laughs> I hope not sometimes oh, the conference title game day does feel like a letdown from from division around, but not always, not always. Can you guys sure. see on camera here how there's a light in my room flickering on and off? Yes. It's I giving me, did. I'm about to have a, a I'm Seizure. just going to faint soon. Yeah. yeah. It's like when they, the, before a show with bright flashing lights, like, Hey, heads up. If you got an issue in that department, turn the channel, bro. 
By the way, half the time you don't realize you have an issue in that department until you have an issue. So it's right. like, you know. Sure. It's not something warning, to make light of. That's a serious. I, I'm not. I'm saying, if anything, I'm adding a serious to the affliction. PSA. I'm adding to the oh, gravity good. of the PSA. I'm going to add the PSA here that kickers matter. A lot of people are jumping on this bandwagon that I've been driving for really years on this podcast, um, getting all excited about the kickers. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, the real analysis starts right here on the Around the NFL podcast because I got the final edition of the kicker power rankings for 2021-22. Hit it, Ricky. Let's get behind the velvet ropes. This is what people have been waiting for, boys. Coming in at number four, and I mean no disrespect, and I know you got a Pro Bowl, but player, hey, playboy, when you miss short from 47... I'm nervous, Matt Gay. He he was hurt. He he hurt himself in pregame warmups. I thought he said he wasn't though. In a hit a g- game winner. I don't know. That's what they said. All right, polite applause there for Matt Gay. All right, four to number four. three. You know, a lot of kickers were at the top of their game last week, and this guy kicked made one of the biggest kicks of his life in sending an all-time game to overtime, and yet. You miss a PAT, you miss a field goal. You're going to drop from number one in my power rankings. Harrison Butker, number three, Kansas City Chiefs. Loving this so far. He, he did the Vinatieri it. thing, you know, in the in the Super Bowl and the snowball. Miss early, make it late, then you're the hero. Yeah, that's true. That did salvage the day for him, but didn't keep him at number one. Number two, and, and this was tough because both these – uh, kickers deserve credit, but um, good as gold he is. Robbie Gold never missed in the postseason, 20 for 20. Still only good enough for the silver. Good as gold, Robbie's been. Pause for applause. Finally, number one. Yes, there's only one left. He's the rookie. He's the fifth-round pick. McFearless, Evan McPherson, mm. come on down. You are number one in the kicker power rankings. That kid, unbelievable. Eight for eight in the first two weeks of the postseason. 50 yarders coming out of his buttocks. The guy, <laughs> you know, the comment that he made to Burrow when he said, or he said it to, uh, I believe, the backup quarterback said, ah, I guess we're going to the Super Bowl. Then kicks or going to the AFC championship, then kicks that field goal. He's stroking it and he believes. Ah. Yeah, when you, you mentioned a 50 yarder coming out of someone's buttocks, I mean, visually, <laughs> I'm struggling to figure out what how that works. But I, I should, I, it was, you know, very, um, very unpredictable divisional round weekend, but it was very predictable that Dan took offense. Um, that someone else likes kickers. Ra- Rachel Bonetta, <laughs> you're referring to, had that. She had a great kicker song on her new, Taking offense. Her new podcast. Yeah, I don't take offense to it. I, and and by the way, I love that Rachel song. She's very talented. And check out her new podcast, uh, Benched with Bonetta, on the um, NFL Media Podcast group. I'm a big Bonetta fan. I like that song. I'm just saying, from it just feels like everyone is now coming around and understanding the importance of these players. Uh, but it's no, it's always been that way. It's not just that way now. That's I think all. you're taking back the real estate that was yours. It's not just, hey, everyone come live on, you know, inside the Kickers Club, which you built from 
you know, brick by brick, Greg built the, the Roto World. You built the Kickers Club that needed bricks. You know. What have you I, built, Mark? Well, I, you know, I, what I like to do is sort of, I, in these situations, take a step back so that we can uh, magnify your guys' accomplishments. That's very important to me. Oh, that's really nice. I'm going to remind <laughs> you of this when McPherson is lining up for a 57-yarder to send them to the Super Bowl. Now, now I can feel it. That's how, it, how it's gotten. And that, that works with my score, that winning by two, right through the uprights. Breaking no, What could go wrong? Are. What could go wrong indeed? All right, everybody. Uh, enjoy all this amazing football. We'll be back on Sunday night. We'll be back at uh, Stage 5 at NFL Network, uh, recapping both of these games. Any other NFL flotsam? that might uh, come across our world uh, before between now and then. And so we hope you're there. Thank you, everybody that's listened all season long. You know, I just got to look at the numbers. Maron. The the listener numbers. Oh, yeah. Extraordinary. They right. are very, very strong. That we, we are gaining an audience. Like when you're in your ninth season, like look at a show like Friends, I think went that long. You're maintaining a core audience, but you're not growing Bitch, we growing. Yeah, I, I I would say that the like by season nine they had looked at the the people that had taken Friends um, from you know a, a nothingness into the biggest show around, and they adequately uh, rewarded them with with um, dead presidents and greenbacks, and that's the part that the company and us don't seem to be totally <laughs> gelling on on some level. I'd just throw that out there, you know. <laughs> I was gonna. I was going to hold my tongue on this, but since you kind of you're adjacent to it now. So, Greg, you're a guy that, you know, famously nothing really matters. You're it's, my it's a mis- that's a miscarriage characterization. And my issue with sign that you don't even know me. The NFL, yeah. ne- the NFL <laughs> Network posted their game day live super or conference championship oh, Sunday that. Yeah, that coverage. And it's it is their uh, obviously their biggest telecast of the year, the way they're building it up. And they have a graphic that has literally 27 people um, right across the front. Like we have every angle mm. covered. And then when you start to check off the boxes of quote unquote talent, the ATN boys, the only ones feeling left out. Um, I tend to see that as, uh-oh, what do we need to do to get on the radar with the SLFs in a bigger spot? Uh, but tell me to step away from the ledge. That, that would be helpful. Well, first, yeah, think of the 30-plus talent, you know, some odd talent that wasn't on that photo, too. You know, we're not the only ones. Um, but um, is that what you want? <laughs> I like doing our show, frankly. Um, I mean, if 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 we if they needed us to help out, that's great. But um, I think we have more fun uh, well, than they do Well, I'm not saying we should show, replace, frankly. like, Mooch, Rich, and Irvin. <laughs> Right. I'm just saying, should we maybe, hey, now we're going to throw it to our most successful venture, the podcast uh, and the podcast group. Right. Take it away, guys. That would be be fine. But I was at the beach the last two weeks before the game starts with my kids. And that that seems pretty good, too. I know. But, Greg, you get a chance to be on national television. So, you know. (laughs) Greg, your mental health is just off the charts. And I applaud you. Can I get that applause back, Ricky? No, you're healthy. It's a healthy mindset. I am very happy here at the NFL. I just, I'm just saying, you know, I wanted to be in the image. I don't know if that makes me a bad guy, but well, yeah, that means that means you have to be on the show, though. That's the trick. That's the thing, right? It Is everybody in that like image on the show? Yeah, that's the show. So you know, if you look like 
there's a lot of people that aren't on that show. You know, a lot, most of the reporters, right? And a lot of the... As Connie know, was in the like, image. Is Connie on the show? Yeah. So I think they have like a game, you know, they go to the Saturday crew. I don't even know. Like the Saturday Good Morning Football crew. I didn't crew even know Kalias Campbell segments. worked for us. He's in the image. Is yeah, he an guess, active player? Right. I mean, I think Jack Ruby was in the image. I, mean, <laughs> I think he's coming you know, the... in. He's coming in for, yeah, for special. I'm a, a current player analysis. I don't know. You know, special. Ad, it, do, it does seem like they emphasize <laughs> the voice. fact that they didn't want us to be a part of it. It's like, here's 106 people. Um, and there, it's, you know, would it have been, we were talking like a two minute round table, throw it to us. We argue for two you know minutes would have and been then great? We, we get to an ad break. Forget about me or Mark being in the image, but Greg, what if they like put you on Kalias's uh, shoulders, like in the image? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have seen him in person. He's a, he's an enormous, I know you have too. Uh, he's, he's the largest enormous, man I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Enormous human. He was on that. Nice guy. Wasn't he on that Cardinals? He was. Team? Am I crazy? Uh, largest uh, human. No, David no, no, Baker, no, no. He was on the, uh, he was on the Carson Palmer teams and uh, he was, I think, I don't think he went back beyond that. Um, but he was not only one of the largest people I've ever met, he is super nice dude. So I'm sure he'll do great. Anyway, well, we, we wish him well. And he's, he, he seems to already be into a, he a, was, a, his a career has gone long enough. He was to. a rookie starter playing against Big Ben and the Steelers. In that oh, Super wow. Bowl. That's how, how long his that? career has been. Nailed it. Um, and so how about this? We'll close it this way because we are all on the same team. Watch game day morning on Sunday. Check out that content. It's going to be stellar with Eisen and the whole crew, literally the whole crew. Then enjoy all the football. And then you can watch some more NFL network, but then close it out with the around the NFL podcast championship Sunday recap. Mm. There you go, Greg. That, that just cleans up all the loose ends there. And watch uh, watch uh, the around the NFL broadcast too. Did he say that on, uh, Not on yet. Saturday? Good job on Saturday. And if you're uh, in the UK and Ireland territories, check us out on Sky Sports this weekend. We're part of the Neil uh, coverage with their gang over there. Well, they they do want us. I mean, they seem willing to uh, to put us on air uh, here and there. So there's a different relationship there. Vice President of International Henry Hodgson did reach out and say, we are on the image uh, for Sky Sports. <laughs> well, I love it. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Enjoy the football. Let's have a nice, safe weekend, and we'll see you Sunday night. Until then, heed the call.